0: Love, talk, radio. Hello and welcome to Authentic Messengers. My name is Kathryn Van Wetter, and I will be your host today. Every Tuesday at three p.m. Pacific Time, I have been interviewing different authors from our new book, Life Sparks, which recently we got New York bestseller on, and we're also engaged in another Life Sparks book that talks about the stories of RNs and nurses. So if you're interested in being involved in that book, please contact us at AuthenticMessengers.com to get more information. If you do miss any of the interviews that I have done, they have been archived, and so you can go to www.blogtalkradio.com/authenticmessengers.com. And please also go to our Facebook page, <clears throat> Authentic Messengers, and give a thumbs up and any sorts of comments that you would like to leave for us. And so today, I'm really excited to be interviewing Nikki Elliott, who's a Ph.D., and Nikki is going to discuss with us her best-selling book, I Feel Your Pain, a seven-step survival guide for impasse and Intuitives and highly sensitive people and this timely message offers spiritual and physical solutions for those who find themselves absorbing the physical and or emotional pain of family friends and co-workers thank you so much nikki for doing the work you're doing and for taking the time to be on the show today
1: Thank you, Catherine. It's my pleasure to be here, and thank you for providing a venue for really spreading the word and helping people give a name to something that about 20 to 25 percent of the population is affected by but doesn't really have a container or a, a you know, framework for understanding. So thank you for doing the work that you do.
0: Well, it's nice to know that there are others like you out there, because I don't know about you, but for a long, long time – I wore a lot of shame about being highly sensitive and also being empathic and intuitive and kept trying to grow a thicker skin and think that because I cried, it somehow made me weaker or when I sensed other people's feelings. So I would love to hear how it is that you got involved in writing the book, what prompted you and and what you've learned about yourself in the process.
1: So thank you. My, my journey began about 15 years ago and I had the, you know, they in the literature, you know, people study intuitive awakenings or spiritual awakenings in general. We usually hear of people who kind of have their intuitive capacities breaking open from near-death experiences or, you know, different kinds of major traumatic life events. And for me, it wasn't a near-death experience, but it was the experience of my first baby being stillborn. That was, for me, a tremendous Mm. kind of life-shock event. And within a Mm. few weeks after that experience and and still during the grieving process, I started noticing that when I would go out in public, I would be feeling other people's physical pains in my body and because I had never heard of Being empathic, I never knew anything about being intuitively gifted. Um, I just thought I was sick all the time and started going to the doctor for random aches and pains and they would tell me that they didn't find anything wrong with me. And shortly thereafter, I started actually hearing telepathic messages and initially it was from pregnant women's babies. If I was out in a grocery store or out in public, I would hear a little voice, please tell my mommy I need or please tell my mommy to do. And I started really fearing for my mental health. As you can imagine, you know, um, being an academic and, you know, Ivy League graduate, I have been trained in this super logical research-based mind frame, and none of what I was experiencing was fitting into that. And just like you said, being in the – intuitive closet with it and, and not wanting to share or be ridic- worried about being ridiculed or rejected. I um, fortunately had confidence with my midwives because they were very holistic and into herbalism and, and energy healing and I started sharing what was happening with them. And they uh, told me, no, we don't think you need to go to the doctor because I was really ready to wonder if I needed you know, psychotherapy or something. And they said, the next time you hear a pregnant woman's baby talk to you, why don't you just take a chance and see if they want to hear the message and share the message and see if it's accurate or has meaning for them. And then if you feel really way off base, no worries, you'll never see them again. But if the message is valuable, then it can validate that something new is happening to you and you can calm down and we can figure out how to help you grow. And sure enough, the next time it happened, I asked the woman in the line at the grocery store if she was open to hearing a message. I told her, you know, what was going on with me. She seemed excited to hear the message. And I simply told her what I heard. The baby kept asking me to please tell my mommy to do what the doctor says. And I shared the mm. message with that mother, and she just was stone-faced for a second. I thought, oh, my God, I really am losing my mind. Okay, I'm making an appointment with the doctor tomorrow. And she started <laughs> to cry. <laughs> and I asked, wow. What? you know, she said, I was just on my way home from a prenatal appointment. The doctors wanted to do some invasive testing, and I was going home to ask my husband to go back and fight for me to not do these tests. But now that you gave me this message, I'm going to do what the doctor says. And wow. from there, I started my journey of understanding what happened to me and realizing how many people are affected by being physical and emotional empaths. And um, mm-hmm. and it was my journey of understanding this in my body and in my spirit that led me to then be able to help other people. And 15 years later, here here I am.
0: I have a question, and thank you so much for your vulnerability and your candidness of talking about your loss i'm I'm so sorry for your loss um, and wondered if do you feel like you tapped into the unborn because of that being a time and my words only a time of trauma for you as as you were facing. Your own child's, your own loss of your child, that somehow it opened you up because of the vulnerability that you were already pregnant and feeling that? Or what is your sense that you tapped into women who were pregnant and the unborn?
1: Um, I I would agree. Yes, it makes absolute sense. It's where it started that type of intuitive Mm -hmm. communication of being able to experience that type of soul-to-soul communication and because I would agree with you my grief was so deep Um, and I got pregnant very soon after that loss so then I was still you know pregnant with another baby and so I was totally in the maternal connecting with the womb and fetal energy phase of my life and So the first communications that I was receiving and a lot of the first intuitive and and empathic resonances that I felt were with other pregnant women and their babies. But after that and since then, I expanded to being able to communicate uh, soul to soul with people of all ages. Um, So it was a launch point for that, but it did expand beyond that. And I grew to the point where I now am able to control when I feel other people's empathic energy or have intuitive communication. It just doesn't happen randomly for me anymore when I'm out in public places. And that's one of the tools that I teach in the book because most people who are empathic or highly sensitive are wide open and their doors are open 100%. And they've never been taught mm-hmm. how to selectively open and close the intuitive or empathic pathways so that they're not bombarded and the nervous system being overloaded with sensory and intuitive input from people in their environment.
0: So I have a question because I know with with my own work with highly sensitive people, there's and with Elaine Arwin's work back in the 80s or 90s, mm-hmm. she talked about not all highly sensitive people are empaths or intuitives, um, and wondered if you were able to sense in with the folks that you work with, are they for the most part, highly sensitive that have not tapped into their empathic or intuitive ways, or can they just be highly sensitive and or empath or intuitive?
1: That's a great question. And the reason that I, I titled my book, or well, the subtitle is um, A Seven-Step Survival Guide for Empaths, Intuitives, and Highly Sensitive People is because I do tend to see a significant overlap um, in my population Um, there are some people who are empathic, meaning when I work with them energetically, they show me energetic patterns of absorbing the emotional or physical energies of other people, but they may not necessarily be intuitive in terms of being telepathic or clairvoyant or claircognizant. And then the other way, I've seen people who are very intuitive that may be clairvoyant or have very prophetic dreams, or even have abilities toward mediumship, etc., but they're not necessarily empath. They don't feel or absorb or have physical conditions that um, suggest that they're taking on the energy of other people. But I do find that more people that are highly sensitive tend to be more empathic. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. if that makes sense. I, I find them falling more because the nervous system is so highly charged. So when we are registering the energy, reading the fields of our environments, we are taking that energy in through the solar plexus, and then that energy travels on the nervous system and then registers through our physical senses at the spiritual, non-physical level. So for highly sensitive people, it's almost like they're not able to turn down the volume on the non-physical spectrum of their five senses, if that makes sense.
0: Mm, Totally, and it reminds me. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, no, that's okay. The work that I do helps them literally turn the volume down on those additional sensory overloads that they're
0: experiencing. It's interesting because I I worked as a mental health clinician in um, community mental health, and my sense was, that almost three-fourths of the folks that I worked with were highly sensitive and they mm-hmm. were also put on meds that nulled their and dulled their senses, which is so much, of course, of how highly sensitive people operate is through their senses and then being mm-hmm. diagnosed with depression, anxiety, bipolar, etc., and also okay. having a host of trauma. Unresolved trauma underneath, and wondered what what your research has found or your work has found um, in lieu of what I just what I discovered with the people that I worked with. Um,
1: I would agree with you in what I see. I I always like to start off by saying I'm not a licensed mental health professional or physician, but um, from what I see as an educator and as an energy therapist, primarily working with children, I see similar overlaps of highly sensitive also being the children, various mood learning and behavior challenges, including ADHD, dyslexia, anxiety, autism spectrum. Um, And so I would actually lump all of the types of patients that you just mentioned in with the similar group that I serve, and I see the whole spectrum of those conditions as a part of glitches in the path of spiritual integration and spiritual evolution for, for all of us, actually. Um, and in my mm-hmm. work, what I see as it relates to the trauma, particularly for empaths, there are very strong um, codependent Uh, family of origin, background traumas for many people who are empathic Mm -hmm. and highly sensitive. So for children who have grown up in homes where there was alcoholism, mental illness, uh, chronic physical uh, illness and the family members, any type of violence, physical or sexual abuse, those children in those homes that were unpredictable with their caregiving and unstable in their safety, those children prematurely burst open their psychic and intuitive and empathic faculties in order to read their environment. So if I can read mom's energy, I can know what could happen, what I need to do to keep her happy. If I can get into dad's field, I know what to do to keep him calm so that he doesn't explode and tear up the house. And so that um, creates those, those, those home-based conditions create within an individual a predisposition for being too open energetically, and then they take that um, way of interacting with the world out, and then are overloaded with the sensory absorption in their environment as adults. So, do you think that, wise?
0: That and do you feel that? And again, I recognize you're you're not a mental health clinician nor a doctor. I'm just asking only for an observation that many mm-hmm. many sensitive, empaths and intuitives have also dealt with addiction. Um,
1: Almost yes because I know of that, that
0: i've senses. had a host of addictions
1: yeah absolutely to numb it's a numbing mechanism because you have no other faculty or process for turning down the volume on the sensory overload then food alcohol drugs you know prescription medication will help numb that in ways that you are not able to do on your own and so what i what i see in the work is that once people are able to name their intuitive faculties learn the energy-based techniques that help them begin to control those experiences. We have to also, just like you mentioned at the top of the show, come to a way of accepting the intuitive nature and reconciling it with your religion, with your belief systems, with your family systems, so that it can be an integrated part of of your identity rather than a split-off part that you are not free to acknowledge or claim. When all that is brought into alignment and then... You can literally work energetically to turn down the volume of the heightened sensory faculties. I have seen people reduce their need for medications under their doctor's guidance, reduce the dependency on drugs and alcohol, and then are able to benefit
0: from the type of treatment programs
1: that help them stop.
0: Wow. I am just, I am so delighted to meet you. One, because I feel like I've met a kindred soul. And with the work you do, it's, it's so exciting to put words and voice to um, many who may have lost their voice. And one question I have also for you is in lieu of so much of the polarization that's happened and the shift in consciousness that is beginning to happen, I know that a lot of sensitives are really having a hard time. I work in the area of suicide prevention here on Woodby Island, and suicide is going up. And it's with children, it's going up with adolescents and also the elder. And it, it seems like a lot of intuitives and sensitives are so exhausted and now getting their systems totally inundated with, with the stimulus and wondered if you'd like to comment on that.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. I've done a lot of speaking uh, in the post-election season, really encouraging people who are empathic, intuitive, about not uh, passing up on this opportunity to step fully into our spiritual and intuitive power. So the interesting thing about being empathic and intuitive is because we are so bombarded easily bombarded by the external environment, absorbing the general hysteria and a lot of the fear and the fear-based conversations that are in the media. When our energy fields are overloaded and depleted, we lack the physical energy to get out of bed and strategize a plan to be an effective change agent out in the world, bringing about the kind of society that would benefit all people. But the beautiful thing that we have to remember about empathy is that it is a spiritual gift, Catherine. It is a divine gift Mm -hmm. that some of us feel the pain of others, that some of us care so deeply to the point where we're moved to set our own interests aside to put the greater good forward. So there are no better people than us to be the change makers that will create the society that will turn the tide on a lot of what has come forward in our culture as a result of these elections, yet if we're physically and energetically and spiritually depleted, we can't get out of bed and leave our homes and stay in the game long enough to participate in the change. But every great Mm -hmm. invention, every great advancement, let's just think of Einstein, so many great scientists accredited their great discoveries to the mystical realm. And so for those of us who are empathic and intuitive, we have the ability to, intuit, to tap into divine insight to come up with the solutions and the inventions and the new products and the new services that will change the tide on our culture. But we have to be spiritually grounded in a balanced physical body in order to manifest those visions and make them real. And that's where my work comes in. I see myself as being called as a bridge that helps empathic and intuitive people be able to cross easily back and forth between the spiritual and etheric realms and the physical material realms, because if we can't just stay stuck in the realm where you know we catch these great visions and we feel so sensitively, they have to be grounded into action. And that requires a stable nervous system a clear integrated brain, and a body that is free from toxins and with energy hygiene tools that people can manage and take care of themselves energetically on a daily basis. It, it is a form of education that we have been denied as, as a civilization mm. and as
0: criminal, that we have not been right. taught the management wow. of ourselves as energetic bodies. And isn't it interesting that so many folks now – are, are really being forced, be them empathic, intuitive, or highly sensitive to look within themselves rather than look outside. Especially yes. as I mentioned earlier with the shame associated with sensitives and empaths, dealing with with releasing the shame and the forgiveness and the kindness. And it is from an aerial view, it feels like it's such a beautiful opportunity to one, bring folks who we are high resonance, in high resonance with and nurture ourselves inside and out and, and offer what you have to offer to folks through your speaking and um, also through your education. I, I wondered how is it that you came to the place where you were able to maintain and clear and clean your energetic, your psychic, your mental planes, in order to do the work you do and stay upright, so to speak.
1: <laughs> so for for me, it was a long journey of studying various types of intuitive development classes, and I pra- I learned Reiki and a few other energy healing modalities, and I found that I was effective. I mean, meaning that the people that came to me or that I was able to work with in my practice sessions, they got better but I was getting sicker. And, and I've heard many people who work in the healing arts will say that. I know many ministers will never tell you that when they, you know, hug and shake hands with their congregants or do laying on hands of healing in faith-based churches, those ministers go home and they're sick and nauseated and they're done for the rest of the day. They're not enjoying their family life, but they would never come forward and say that. And I've been able to help many nurses, therapists, Um, energy healers of various kinds that have all the same kind of issues with energy transference. And so my personal journey, the work that I've developed, the Inner Light Method, came as a result of realizing that I had gifts, but realizing I wasn't willing to sacrifice my own physical well-being to help people. And so I stopped practicing altogether, and I made a kind of a really sassy demand with spirit, like, I'm sorry, I refuse to do this work if people are getting better and and I'm not well. This is not okay. Show me another way. And so actually I, over the course of time, started practicing with children and found that they were very responsive to the work and it was easier for me energetically to transact with children. And then when I started communicating with them intuitively, they started teaching me in the inner voice how to work with them. They're like, Dr. Nikki, I don't need you to do it for me. Meaning, I don't need you to go in and take my pain. I just need you to watch me do it. And I was blown away the first time a child told me, Kind of almost like when you're trying to help a little child do something, they're like, no, mommy, I can do it myself, right? Intuitively, these right. children were saying the same thing. I don't need you in my energy field, Dr. Nikki. Can you please step back and watch me heal? I just need you to watch me, and it'll be done because you witnessed wow. it. And it completely oh, gave me so a the new witnesses. paradigm of healing. I'm a witness. I'm not a healer.
0: And oh, so that's when so I beautiful. Step- because, hmm. You know, go ahead. <laughs> yes. No, it's beautiful to know that everything needs to be a witness. and And so when you went into the witness role, you were saying what happened as a result of you being in the witness role for the children? I stopped getting
1: sick. I stopped oh. absorbing what was going on for the people that I was helping with the energy work.
0: And what do you think that was? Was it because you weren't actually, for lack of another word, doing the healing on them and you were able, as the child requested, please witness me because heal thyself and I'm healing myself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it forces
1: exactly. you, because when we heal, when we go in and we look at someone, oh, you're suffering, poor suffering person, that is taking on a mental attitude that's looking at that person with a deficit model. And so Mm -hmm. we're not seeing the truth about them when we put ourselves in the position to be their healer. We're taking responsibility for their healing and we're taking responsibility for the residual of what they're clearing rather than I'm looking at Mm -hmm. you as a pure, perfect design of God and I'm here to witness you become that and move any block that says that that's Mm -hmm. not true about you because that's what I know. So it totally changes the lens. Just shifting the perspective from a witness to a healer totally changes the lens and the level of respect you're showing
0: for the divinity of the person in front of you who needs help. Oh, that's so beautiful. And, of course, the parents having the buy-in to support the child and be –
1: Absolutely, the parents. And you know, it's interesting, Catherine. When I first started this work, most of the parents that came to me with their children were people who didn't believe in the work, didn't understand it at all, had mm. never had any experience with holistic energy medicine therapy. They just were on the verge of being told that medication was the only thing that could help their child, or institutionalization is the only thing that could help your child, or we're on the verge of kicking your child out of this school and nothing else has helped. And then somebody told them, go see that lady, Dr. Nikki. I can't explain to you what she does, but my kid got better. And and so people come in almost an absolute space of surrender. Like, I love my child so much, I'm willing to do what logic says isn't possible, you know. And it doesn't require belief. It just requires that space, that surrendered space to say, I'm willing to entertain the possibility that what's going on for my child is beyond what can be understood or addressed at a biochemical level. And all you need is that
0: wow. crack in the window of possibility. <laughs> wow. And, oh, thank you. It's it's so beautiful. It's, and it's so magical stepping into the realm of magic, really, to watch mm-hmm. somebody heal and to be part of that journey. Wondered with some of the kids that you worked with, what are the common symptoms that your clients face? What have you noticed?
1: Um. So primarily uh, when children are being referred to me, there are a lot, well some people know that their children are highly intuitive and highly gifted. So I have a lot of children that come to me with referrals from night terrors. I have a few um, Chinese medical doctors and other um, holistic medical doctors in the area that refer patients to me with night terrors. And typically those are children who are spiritually gifted with astral travel or soul journey capabilities. And so with the energy work, we're able to help them organize and align consciousness so that they're able to contain the consciousness or the spirit with the body and sleep peacefully at night. We see a lot of um, explosive and anxiety behaviors from children whose nervous systems are overrun. Um, Sometimes they're being misdiagnosed with ADHD because they are energetically feeling and absorbing the energy fields of 20 other people in the classroom. As adults, we forget that as, as parents or as educators, when we're in charge of an environment, our dominant energetic field signature is permeating that entire space and children are inside that energy field that we've set. If we are sick, if we are angst-ridden, if we are filled with negative you know, stressful energies, the most highly sensitive children that are stuck literally within our energetic environment in our classroom or in our home become overloaded with that energy and are unable over time to give us the level of concentration, focus, or organized, managed behavior that that we're expecting from them. So there have been some times where I've had to say to a parent, I need to work with you instead of the child. The child will be okay if if you can get Mm -hmm. on the table. And then there have been some cases where I've suggested to a parent to switch the child to a different teacher within the school and the behaviors are gone. So it's a, it's a range of things, but primarily most empathic people, I don't know if you see this in your work, but I would say about 90 to 95% of the very strongly empathic people I deal with have a host of undiagnosed digestive issues, stomach pains, mm-hmm. um, diarrhea, constipation, just a leaky gut, just on and on. And, again, that's because the solar plexus is bombarded with the incoming energy that we are reading from our environment. And so the work is successfully in at least 80% of the time able to help alleviate a lot of those stomach concerns by helping calm the nervous system down, turn down the volume, kind of close the openings of the energetic doors to make a person less permeable, shall we say, to taking in oncoming energy in the environment unless they're intending to. So the goal is to teach people to turn their energy on and off or the openness of the field on or off when they're wanting to access their empathic and intuitive abilities turn them on, but when they want to be left alone or to go out into public spaces or to enjoy Disneyland, they would turn them down to the level where they would only be intending to perceive true and present danger, like a strong instinct, survival instinct, so to speak.
0: Wow. You know, I think about the number of kids who are in the energetic field, the paradigm that you're talking about, and then as they grow older, beginning to leave home and continuing to perpetuate the paradigm. And so attracting in that same sort of energy of feeling like they're absorbing everything and yet not knowing what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I know with the work I do with family constellation work is that often the folks who come and work with me are highly intuitive, empathic, and sensitive, and they're also the outcasts. The ones uh-huh. who don't know where their place is, and to reinclude them within the system, it's. I've often told them that that they are many times the gifted ones because they will help create homeostasis within a family that has had injustice or trauma to be able to yeah. stop perpetuating that. And so to see to see the um, evolution of someone who is able to start at such a young age that you work with rather than when I get them cuz I often work with adults although on occasion I do work with children but seeing if if there's some way that we can honor the little ones who are blessed with the with the empathy and the in, intuition also the sensitivity to hold them in a container that is safe for them to explore their, their highly sensitive nature and their gifts is, is wow, what a, what a beautiful way to shift the consciousness of our world. And it's
1: amazing because when the parents see the difference in the children's behavior, like, my God, the child is sleeping through the night, okay, I got no phone calls from the teacher to take my child home for the last two weeks. They're like, how did it happen? Tell me more. Let me understand. Now you've got an interested captive audience that's ready to learn the techniques. They don't just show up to say, fix it, and then they don't come back. They want to know how it happened. They want to know what to do to change the home. You, You would be amazed at how parents have been willing to switch their children to more humane um, and, and compassionate school choices. They've been willing to change their living environments. They've been able to, been willing to change the dynamics within the home because they recognize the giftedness of the child. And so, just as you said, these children are offering invitations for the whole family to rise up. They're all changing their diets to make it cleaner for the one that is most sensitive. And everybody's waking up. And you will be surprised the number of parents who've come to me and said, "Where were you when I was a child?" If I had had someone mm. like you. I would, have, my own life would have been better. And the reason that is, is Catherine, is because I don't see intuitive children whose parents aren't also. The kids are at a higher level. Right. That makes it more difficult to function in daily life.
0: Yeah, and for a little one that sees so much, it can be really disconcerting for parents who recognize the child is taking in the pain that the parent, for whatever reason, may not be able to express. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and
1: adults will pay for their children to be serviced, but not for themselves. So it's interesting, mm-hmm. the children, as I would imagine you see in Constellation work, the little ones are, are the ones that are brave enough to call, the, call forth with their symptoms to get the whole family on board with healing because the adults wouldn't invest in it for themselves, but they'll go to the end of the earth for the children. So the children are bringing the whole family along into the healing
0: process. Wow, it was, and for those who came before in the seven generations forward, the resolution mm-hmm. can begin. Wow. Absolutely. So you have, congrats, congratulations on your best-selling book, I Feel Your Pain, a, a seven-step survival guide. Can you talk a little bit about is this book addressed towards not only children but also adults, anyone who finds themselves in the arena of impact, intuitive, and highly sensitive HSP?
1: Yes. Thank you. So actually the book is speaking directly to adults. I do include some Mm -hmm. of the findings that I um, have observed over the course of the last 10 years of, of working energetically with children. But I am speaking to the parents, to educators, to mental health professionals, to licensed medical professionals, because my, and individuals, you know, any person who sees themselves as I'm empathic, I feel stuff and I don't understand why, or I see things and no one helps me understand why, this book is a guide of the seven major steps that I walked through to get myself to a place where in the seventh step I have now reached a point in my life where I have fully integrated my intuitive and my intellectual nature into one integrated, balanced body that can tune in and meditate and receive great downloads and insights, communicate intuitively or telepathically with a person and and witness them bring themselves into energetic balance and then come back into waking consciousness and pay my bills and run my business and write books and articles and stand up in universities and give lectures, you know. And so a lot of times people who are empathic and intuitive have reputations for being airy or flighty or ungrounded. And so this work is meant to help anyone who perceives themselves as being intuitive or empathic the steps to walk through of self-care, the steps to walk through of overcoming their myths and and barriers to claiming and integrating their intuitive identity, how to step into community, how to identify which gifts they have and decide to develop them, how to, um, again, practice energy hygiene on a daily basis. This isn't a one-time thing. It's just like we brush our teeth daily and we shower daily. We have to manage our energy body daily. But then the most important gift that I want to leave every reader is the understanding that our intuitive and empathic nature holds our genius seed. So when we think about our destiny, when we think about why we're alive, when we think about what contribution we have to make to the planet, all of that insight is sourced from our intuitive nature, from our connection to our divinity. And it's by giving ourselves full permission to do that, to access that in a healthy, grounded way that we understand how we're uniquely meant to serve as attorneys, as physicians, as teachers, as truck drivers, as engineers. Many people think that being intuitive means they have to quit their job and move to the mountaintop or to the desert in Sedona somewhere and be holy and spiritual and leave society. But as the recent election has shown us, we need everybody fully prepared exactly where they are, exactly where they live and serve in their intuitive power coming up with new inventions and services and solutions that serve everyone. And so the message that I'm trying to share with all of us is that the world needs us intuitive and empathic people to get healthy, to get it together, to be loud and proud about our spiritual nature and to activate it
0: in service to help and to heal our planet. Oh that's beautiful. And yes, everyone, I I wrote a poem from the eyes of a sensitive and part of it part of it said in loud words that we are the mediators, the moderators, the peacemakers and we're going to be the ones that are going to bring light, more light into the world, not to say that others who aren't um will not do that, but to really mm-hmm. recognize the power and the wisdom that So many intuitives have and to know this is our time.
1: Yeah, but if we're scared of our gifts, if we're ashamed Mm -hmm. of our gifts, if we're sick with our gifts, we're powerless. And those are unfulfilled destinies that are not able to be in service to blessing humanity and so we have to take responsibility for resolving all of our internal conflicts that keep us from being on board with the totality of who we are and being brave to stand up and say so in in any space, Mm.
0: you know,
1: so Mm. that's why I'm here to help create this community of people who can speak together.
0: And this is, this is the inner, the inner light sanctuary, the virtual village for empathic and intuitive people. Is that, Is that an online um, sanctuary that you've created? mm -hmm.
1: Yes, it is. For the first um, five and a half years, Inner Light Sanctuary was a physical brick-and-mortar location in the suburbs of Los Angeles. But as the message is spreading, I was led to reinvent it and rebrand it as a virtual village. So starting in January of 2017, we will have weekly lessons Um, We will offer book chats, book clubs, chat rooms, online courses for people to actually learn to develop their intuitive abilities, as well as an online group energy balancing session that I will facilitate um, over the Internet for people to participate in clearing and balancing the energy field in order to be able to grow in intuitive energy with, with in the balanced physical body. So that is my commitment at the top of the year is to uh, offer the membership for the virtual village. And then we can have people from all around the world finding communities, finding their own spiritual energetic family that is there to, oh, do you see, you know, auras? Oh, I do too. Well, what does that look like for you? Or, you know, so it will be a place where everything you experience as an intuitive or an empath is normalized, but presented in a very grounded wow. into mm-hmm. real life. So I don't have any problem with people that study UFOs and the third dimension and other terrestrials. I don't have any problem with that at all. But my concern and my calling for this community is to ground individuals within their own individual divinity. And anything that comes through intuitively or spiritually is to be grounded into our body, integrated into our life experience, and spit out on the other side as increased genius, increased productivity, increased blessing of bounty prosperity and increased flow in our relationships And if we don't have the evidence of that coming forth in our physical expression then the work is not meeting the goal that has been
0: given to me wow and it was that the vision for writing your books was to be able to further support the inner light sanctuary or was it was it one of the same, or did you start off with the books and then create the inner light sanctuary? Or so, the, so the sanctuary, yeah, the sanctuary, again, the physical space where
1: I've been seeing clients in person for the last um, five and a half years, was here before the book.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: as I wrote this book and was preparing to launch it, I was guided to rebrand a new website and to reorganize uh, Inner Light Sanctuary as a virtual village to go simultaneously so that as the book goes forth and people find out about it and purchase it, then they will say, okay, I want to learn how to do this. I want to take the next step. I'm ready. You know, If they feel internally guided... Then, I want to have the sanctuary, the virtual village available as the next place for them to go to continue that um, experience of, of understanding themselves and having the courage to develop and grow. so right now, we just finish we're finishing up tonight actually a four week class for people. It was called Moving from Empathic Pain to Intuitive Power." So it was people who joined the class the day the book launched and now, four weeks later, we're wrapping up the class where they just really unpacked all the fears, all the backstories, all the past experiences that led them to have misconceptions or fears about their intuitive nature. And now tonight they're going to be making their commitment of where they're looking to bless the planet by fully embracing and saying yes to growing in awareness and authority and dominion over their intuitive and empathic abilities so that they're leading the way with them, not being drugged by the tail by
0: their gifts that are wearing them out and depleting them. Wow, and I wondered you know some of some of the research i've done in this, and you mentioned it earlier um, that they it's, it's said that fifteen to twenty percent of the population are highly sensitive and the same with the animal kingdom, fifteen to twenty percent, and then an indigenous who mm-hmm. fifteen to twenty percent they're often the shaman and the medicine people. Um and then for impasse approximately three to four percent of the population are also empathic. And wondered if, if you felt through your studies and through your work with folks that actually there's more than just fifteen to twenty percent? So. Yeah.
1: I do I, think yeah, so. I think, I think it's so. twenty five mm-hmm. getting closer to thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with each generation, you know, as okay. Really, what I think, Catherine, I think we're under a spiritual imperative to evolve as a species. And as we continue mm-hmm. this soul evolutionary process, more and more of us are breaking into or stepping into this spiritual dimension, which is opening up the intuitive faculties. And so I think the number will continue to increase over the coming years until it just becomes as normal that we all are walking in our intuitive and empathic capacities as we all are living from our intellectual rational left brain space. I I think it's something, a bridge that's needing to be built so that we will hit a tipping point where it will become the way that we all
0: function as human beings. Oh, and I know I've I've trained in heart math, and heart math talks about the, the energetic field of our heart extending out more than 10 feet like a hologram and people mm-hmm. sensing into their heart, you know, and thinking that my sense with not only institutions like the HeartMath Institute, but also many people, because we are little sensory beings that take in everything, many times because of conditioning, those who are, who are highly, highly sensitive cannot always be deconditioned to be highly sensitive because it leaks out. It seems to leak out. But my sense also is, is so many more people are highly sensitive, empathic, and, and intuitive. And it's that, as you mentioned, the word surrendering, to what is surrendering to the fact of this beautiful gift and not looking at it as a weakness, rather as a divine and blessed gift. Yes. It's so
1: important because... You know, I forget the author's name, but there's a book called Quiet, and it's about introverts and and how introverts are undervalued in our culture. Everything is built so much on being out and being loud and being seen and being heard, but there are great blessings in being sensitive and more withdrawn and more observant. You know, and so it really becomes necessary as a culture to appreciate the valuable contributions that more quiet reserved introverted sensitive people make to our culture rather than continuing to demand that everyone enjoy you know the big loud over the top um raucous kinds of environments that just really do damage to our nervous systems so i think the awareness will really create more space for those of us who are empathic and highly sensitive to to be okay with saying no thank you that environment isn't good for me without it meaning I don't like you and I don't want to be a part of of your life, you know. So it's really beautiful to see families come together and start to embrace the sensitive ones and start choosing family outings and get-togethers that serve everyone and allow everyone to energetically have a great time or knowing the amount of time someone that's sensitive can stay in a very busy, overly charged environment before they're starting to feel depleted and need to kind of withdraw. I really do see families wanting to understand this and embrace it and, and, and be together in healthy ways that serve everyone's energy, energetic needs, shall we say. It's really a beautiful thing to watch it evolve day by day.
0: And it's interesting, two points. One, I, it came up again. I remember hearing the story of a mother who had a very sensitive child, and what she did was she brought him into, and it was preschool or first grade, kindergarten. She brought him into different rooms, and he was allowed, for lack of another word, to sense into the room, to sense into the children, to walk all around and feel if it felt all right for him. And more mm-hmm. times than once, he would say to his mom, it doesn't feel good. And then she she would say, all right, sweetheart, we will We'll find a space where you feel comfortable, and mm-hmm. the honoring the honoring of the little one rather than saying how so many parents do if they don't understand or if they're scared. Oh, get over it. You know, just it's all right. Just get over it. You, so to to have parents really acknowledge that is beautiful.
1: And thank you. I would, one thing I'd like to add to that. I always am cautioning parents, especially with little ones, they get concerned when children appear socially rude by not wanting to hug Mm -hmm. people or to sit on the lap of certain family members, and they will try to say, Mm -hmm. well, that's, Uncle Joe or that's Auntie Betty and the child is just crying or squirming and so we had to talk about when we talk about well if your child is sensing the energy there you we don't know what they're resonating with that doesn't feel good right so we have to trust that the child knows who feels good and who feels safe for them to be in that kind of intimate space with So what if you made an agreement that we're going to be polite and say hello, but I'm not going to force you to hug or touch or sit on the lap of anyone that doesn't feel good to you, even if it's a family member who will think I'm a bad parent for not forcing you to be polite. And and that's a step that's hard for a lot of families, but it's really important because so many times these children know when on the inside certain ones of us are not in integrity, we're not honest, we're not healthy, and they can feel that in the field, and it is very disruptive to them energetically.
0: Yeah, and then they begin questioning their own ability to sense in. Right. Because I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And also mm-hmm. you mentioned quiet and the the introverts. Do you also see that not all sensitives and in past intuitives are introverted? They can also be extroverted as well they
1: are absolutely they can be mm -hmm. just in my practice i see the more the more overly overly um, sensitive they tend to withdraw 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 and it's not that they maybe would be as introverted if it didn't hurt so much but by nature of how overwhelmed they feel they tend to withdraw more but i have seen several children, including one child that I worked with recently, after the energy balancing work we did together, and she strengthened her energy boundaries and cleared her field and turned the volume down, she went back to school the next week and tried out for a play, which was something she had never done ever to sign up for anything that involved speaking in public. So, Wow,
0: it's um, amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I do believe sometimes the way we present our personalities are a function of the amount of overload we are feeling, not necessarily what our innate disposition would be if we weren't under, you know, so much stress
0: from from our sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and it's and knowing that many love nature and music and expression that goes beyond the words to go into a different realm, to walk between the worlds in many ways, as Mm -hmm. you were talking earlier, um, Mm -hmm. and the subtleties of nature and the subtleties of music.
1: Yeah, those are beautiful. Usually when I'm working with children, I I always talk to them about Einstein. I just love him as an example Mm -hmm. because everyone thinks of him as a genius, but when you really read his, his literature, his work, in his own words, he really was more of a mystic, you know, who then proved mm-hmm. out in physics so what he saw in, in, in the mystical realm. But he had four techniques that he would use to connect with his intuitive knowing when he was stuck with a problem that he was working out. Like you said, he would he would ride his bike, so he would get outside in nature and ride his bike. He would play his violin. He would take a bath, or he would take a nap. And so those are the mm-hmm. four techniques that I share when I'm teaching my work about how people can move themselves intentionally between the intuitive and the intellectual realm to tap in when they want to access higher knowledge and insight and then, you know, ways to ground back down when you're done in order to be able to act on that in a meaningful way
0: in the material realm. Wow, and many, many scientists, like the late Candace Pert, I remember one of her last interviews she had, she was tapping more deeply into her spiritual realm, like having a spiritual awakening. And the same with Bruce Lipton, the stem cell biologist, had a mm-hmm. spiritual awakening. So it's fascinating. I think in many ways that science tries to figure out spirituality and mm-hmm. when when the ego or whatever force can can kind of spread itself out so that the ego can be put into its place, then the magic happens with recognizing that that beautiful realm of infinite possibility yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and
1: and it's amazing too, because I think of um so many scientists that say that they that their paths were changed by different types of spiritual Mm -hmm. awakening, but it's it's changing their research agendas to more validate that what you and I are sharing and saying, experiencing is true, which then allows more people from the general public to explore this aspect of self. And I just think it all is just compounding to moving us toward um, a much higher vibrational experience that will lead us into becoming more self-governing. So it won't matter who is elected president because we, as a collective Mm -hmm. people, we'll have within ourselves the the motivation and the love center and the unity focus you know to to really stand up for what is true and what is right for all people and um i myself mm-hmm. am excited by the invitation for us all to stand up and wake up you know that this election season has brought to our awareness i'm really Concerned but very excited for the possibility If if people like you and I and others like us Can really mobilize The intuitive and empaths and sensitive people To understand how to care for themselves And to to dig in the trenches And bring their gifts forward
0: And it really is an inside job It is Mm -hmm. such an inside job I remember growing up I always, because the feelings were So intense and I had early Early onset um, loss With the loss of a sister when I was four or when she was four and I was seven. And I remember the feelings were so intense that I grew up wishing that I could do like a mind meld. I could place my hand on someone's frontal lobe and just hold it there so that they could feel in to what I was experiencing. And so have spent most of my life learning how to articulate the feelings inside that are so intense and that words often minimize but music can mm-hmm. bring them out and nature. Um, so thank you, thank you for the work you do with these little ones at such a tender age to, and the parents, kudos to the parents who who are wanting to address and love and honor their children um, in this space of expansion. The work you're doing is, is so wonderful. Um, I'm really grateful to all that you're doing and the vision that you see.
1: Thank you so much, and and I look forward to any way that you and I or anyone in your audience can come together to collaborate to to spread the work. So I would be thrilled to hear from anyone who would like to continue the conversation. Thank you so much for having me on
0: the show today. Well, you and I will have a conversation. I'm really <laughs> excited to talk to you more about it. And, um, again, thank you, thank you so much. And wondered, did we just have... A couple minutes wondered if you wanted to leave the listeners with anything um, how to get a hold of you any tips or tips that you would like to leave folks before before we say goodbye
1: yes thank you i would like to encourage anyone who is interested in the book to visit amazon.com and you can pick up a copy of i feel your pain a seven-step survival guide for empaths intuitives and highly sensitive people if you'd like to learn more about the Virtual Village or join our newsletter or participate in any one of my upcoming online courses, feel free to visit my website at www.innerlightsanctuary.com. Www.innerlightsanctuary. And starting on January 3rd, we have our next four-week online companion course for the book. So. We meet on Zoom, and we have home study courses that are dripped so that no matter where your time zone is or what your schedule is, you can study at your convenience. And I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to help empaths strengthen up and and go forward. One thing I'd like to leave as a tip is for highly sensitive people, um, we typically have um, strong magnesium deficiencies for empaths and intuitives as well. The energy body burns trace minerals for fuel. So Epsom salt baths are really, really valuable for helping to strengthen and reset the magnetic field. So I leave that as my one seasonal tip for for your audience today. Oh,
0: thank you, and I look forward to connecting with you um, very soon. Thank you. Thank you, so dear so Nikki. For...
1: Thank you, Catherine. And it's been an honor we... to be with you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And next week, hard to believe, it's December 20th, and I am going to be interviewing Farhana Kazum. and she has felt that too often we are not able to understand the purpose of this, life, this journey we call life. It's almost like we are existing just to exist. And from her, she says, life is a gift, and each one of us is here for a purpose. If you haven't figured out what that is yet, don't give up. So t- next week on December 20th, we will hear more. And thank you, dear listeners, once again for listening in or going to our archive shows, www.blogtalkfor/authenticmessengers.com. And if anyone again is interested in becoming a part of our next Light Spark series that is with nurses and the beautiful stories they have to tell, please contact us at authenticmessengers.com. And this is a time where there can be a lot of emotion, and especially around the holidays, please practice imperative self-care. Be kind. Be loving. Be respectful, not only to those outside, but most important to yourself, so that you radiate love and grace and um, the divineness of who you are. Take take good care. Love to all of you. Bye. 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 Thank you. I, uh...
1: Thank you. I, just wanted, I didn't want to speak until I knew if the show was off.